Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like, MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, Kid Presentable. Mouthful of boba, but how you doing, everyone? Also here, DJ Mark. What's up? And finally, the man who was trying to wrap his head around the fact that there is really a movie called Donkey Punch. Lavender Gooms is here, folks. Uh, yeah, from a conversation right before we started the podcast, uh... I'm not going to say how that came into uh, our, our lexicon and conversation, but Steph asked, uh, you know, what movie, you know, would have a weird name of some sort? I said Donkey Punch, and he said, no, there actually is a movie named Donkey Punch. I looked it up, and sure enough, there was an IMDb. came out in 2009 or so. And uh, another fun fact for you guys, uh, Highway is a major public road, usually connecting multiple cities. A freeway is a part of a highway with two or more lanes on each side with no tolls and is sometimes termed an expressway. I mean, if that now, was... there's, a, there's a segue with no context. And you know what? You're not getting it. Yeah. Context, you know what? If, you, if, if For those of you who haven't turned it off yet, we're going to talk about Bellator first. So, you know what? Just you get like, you know, oh, I just loved how Mike dove into the thing. I'm not going to get he says I'm not going to get into fully explain. Yeah, it, I was going like... to explain something with no context whatsoever. <laughs> Keep you on your toes. Exactly, folks. Um, we're gonna talk about Bellator, guys, because um, not only, I mean, you know what? I was gonna say we picked it. I think we picked exactly one fight. Um, but um, it's good that way we weren't all wrong on the other fight that we would have most likely picked. That's true. And you know what? That that also makes it good for me to go back and see what each of us picked because I completely forgot to put up that post last week. Yep, I was aware of that as we sat in the casino. I said. We have no post, and you said. Or I guess my Fedor pick doesn't count. Oh, oh, oh it's, it's on lost oh. into the abyss. All right, guys. Um, yeah, Mike and I were in Vegas for our friend Sal's bachelor party, and uh, in between drinking all the vodka and the scotch, some of it straight from the bottle, it was a questionable move on my part. We took the time to lose money betting on MMA, and how do we like to lose money betting on MMA, Mike? Parlays. We love our, right. we like, you know, me and Stefan like losing money on parlays too. Like the time we thought Phil Davis was going to beat Anthony Johnson did not go well. All right. This time, guys. Excuse me. I am, I am in a net gain when it comes to my parlays. I make good parlays. All right. I occasionally lose, but I make good parlays. Yeah. Like the time you and me bet on show on Shogun beating Gustafson, BJ beating Rory, and Nate beating Bendo on the same night. It's not like we went 0 for 3 on that parlay. Um, all right, guys. Uh, yeah, Henry Corrales went out there, and I mean, shit, man. He's like seventeen and two going into the fight. He won. He knocked out Aaron Pico. Um, but let's first talk about the newest champ, champ. Which Marcus, I want to say this has lost all meaning at this point to become a champ, champ. Um, Ryan Bader uh, threw a left hand at Fedor, and then Fedor was done competing. Um, just to make sure, Ryan Bader hit him with a right hand right afterwards. Um. Marcus Ryan Bader smokes Fedor and becomes the Bellator heavyweight champion going through this tournament after knocking out after knocking out King Mo uh 
Gorilla fucking uh, Matt Mitrione. It's a technical term right there. And uh, knocking off Fedor. Took zero significant strikes. Here, here, Ryan Bader. <laughs> Sorry, um, I cut out just the last second. But uh, yeah, I mean, when we when this tournament was first coming together and we knew it was a heavyweight tournament and Ryan Bader was going to be participating in it, I think most of us, if not all of us, kind of thought like, well, that's kind of the one to look out for there. I mean, he has been doing really well at light heavyweight, kind of just, you know, owning that division. And I, I personally thought he would do very well in this tournament. And I wasn't surprised as we saw each of his fights and he was victorious. And especially in this last one, I, I mean, I, I love Fedor. He'll always be somewhat of a legend, but way back when Dan Henderson knocked him out, that's, that was my cue that like, yeah, he just can't quite take the hits like he used to. So the outcome of this fight where it was essentially kind of a one punch knockout was not too shocking, especially, um, you know, even in his more recent fight with Matt Mitrione, they caught each other and Fedor was just able to recover a, bit, uh, a little bit quicker and was able to win that fight. But against someone as seasoned as, as Ryan Bader, this was going to be a really tough out for Fedor. And I'm not shocked at all that it was basically, you know, the first clean punch that landed knocked Fedor pretty much unconscious. And, and Ryan was able to quickly finish the fight and become the first champion champion. And um, Bobby, you did cut out there for a second. So I don't know. Did you mention the statistic that you shared? Yeah, that. well, I, I also wanted to say that while in your fantasies, Fedor might have defeated Matt Mitrione. In reality, they punched each other and Fedor's not the one that recovered. Oh, okay. <laughs> I see. I did. I, I, more proof to my. To yeah, my, but um, uh, yeah, no, Ryan Bader, zero significant strikes over yeah, the and that's and that's really impressive, you know, even giving, you know, the competition, maybe not being like the highest level of the heavyweight division. I mean, these are still, you know, top tier guys. You're talking about King Mo, uh, Matt Mitrione and, and Fedor. Not to get one significant strike landed on him is a pretty good year. Is this was this all just happened? And well, I guess this I got it up right here, Marcus. It looks like, well, the impressive part here is while Fedor, he beat in 35 seconds, King Mo in 15 seconds. Matt Mitrione had 15 fucking minutes to do something about this, and he didn't do shit. Um, but no, it was, well, May May 2018 to January 2019. Yeah, so so pretty much a calendar year. Eight-month ass-whooping campaign. <laughs> yeah, where he didn't get hit once. You know, he he got probably got hit a lot more in training than he did in these actual fights. And this is just kind of the rise that we've been seeing from uh, Ryan, even leading up to him leading the, leaving the UFC. If, if I recall correctly, he did not really get cut from the UFC. I think he had a win on his way out and he decided to go to Bellator, which yep. definitely seems like the wise move at this point where he's holding, you know, two belts now at this uh, at this time and basically owning the heavyweight and light heavyweight division. So, he, you know, mad props to Ryan Bader. Maybe not the most, you know, shocking um, outcome of this tournament. I think we probably also joked mostly that we probably all thought the, the field would somehow come into play here and, and be able to take the tournament like, much like what we saw uh, DC win the strike uh, force tournament. But no, Bader has just con consistently gotten better and better. And now it's starting to get to the point, um, at, at least for me, where it's kind of like, I kind of like to see him throw his hat back in there in the UFC. I'd love to see Bader and DC fight. We never got to see that fight. I don't know if him and John Jones is all that appealing to me. I still don't think he's at that level, but him and DC, I'm kind of interested in at this point. So It'll be interesting to see where his career kind of lies. You know, yeah. Is he going to stay in Bellator and kind of be the, the giant fish in a smaller pond? Or will he eventually kind of creep his way back into the UFC and, and see if he uh, he still has what it got to, to fight the, the toughest competition? Ryan Bader, 5-0 and since leaving the UFC. Seven wins in a row overall. Has won 12 of his last 13 fights. The only loss in there was getting knocked out by Rumble Johnson. Which shit, man. 
Happens to everybody not named Daniel Cormier, apparently. Um, Stefan, um, I think we are talking about this right before the podcast about how, like, Ryan Bader, there's, like, things about him that has left, like, I feel it, like, it has left him kind of disrespected almost or not taken as good as he's really been because, you know, I mean, literally Mike and I were just, like, we're making our bets and we're just like, man, remember when Ryan Bader punched or jumped into a man's punch twice? You know, and, like, there was, what was the other one we were talking about right before the show started? There was another one about... Oh, it wasn't a, a fight. It's just that um, Daniel Cormier, when he talked about yeah. him, he, he referred to him as the easiest matchup in the entire Yeah, game. basically, there's nothing. There's a lot of, like, all the notable things with Ryan Bader is, like, you're not remembering the good shit. You know what I mean? You see, he, he got... Uh, like, on his way out, when he, you know, he won and everything, like, the one thing that you could say about him, and you can especially say now going through this tournament, his hands have come so far and, like, from where he started i think he even admitted it wasn't till about like 2016 did he feel like he knew how to strike you know like he he admits that it, it's kind of been a more recent thing but that's that's what we hold against him um and, and you're right it's like just look at our picks i couldn't it was a long shot sure but it wasn't so surefire that you know i'm still gonna pick fedor because i think it's gonna be fun but yeah, Vader has come a long way, and now he—he's like Mike or Mark said about him going out on a win. He's not a guy who got chewed up and spit out to Bellator like we've seen with some other guys in the past. Who you know, I you know, God bless him. I, I've been a big fan of Benson Henderson, but he lost a lot of momentum by the time he hit Bellator. Right? He wasn't champion anymore. He he lost the trying to get that belt back. So. This is Bader, like, really someone in his prime. It's kind of what we hoped we would get out of Rory, too, right? But maybe Rory bit off a little bit more he could chew. Um, kind of going, especially when he fought uh, Gegard, who was just so much bigger than him. But for Bader, it's worked out. And, yeah, this is a, this is what it looks like when a guy who probably would be top five in the UFC currently is kind of hanging out in Bellator. And, you know, good for him. Good, good exposure, good paychecks. Um, I wish I actually believed he was a fan of Star Wars, but beyond that, I don't have too much negative to say about him. Uh, Mike, um, co-main event, Henry Corrales went out there and cost you and me money, but, uh, man was 16 and three going into this one, had won four straight. Um, before we get into Pico, is it possible Bellator can come out of this thing and be like, I mean, he's won five in a row. Maybe we got somebody here who can fight for a belt that people at least know the name a little bit of. Maybe it's not a total negative that their prospect lost, basically. You muted yourself and did not unmute yourself. Only been doing this for about six years. No, I, I think that they can come out of this with something positive. Because even when we were making our parlay, you know, we both picked Pico. But you brought up the point that, well, this is a guy that fought for the title not too long ago and you know he he won and it was a come from behind victory because pico did have him hurt and it showed heart him being able to come back and, and knock pico out maybe part of that is pico is still 22 and and still learning but if they play this right you know they can they can have it that him getting a notch on his belt from knocking out aaron pico Maybe they can make a you know a, a suitable star in, in him and have him fight for the title. Yeah, a man who says he uh, really turned it around his career when he joined with Bendo's team out at the lab, five straight. Um, Mike, um, Aaron Pico. This is two times we've seen him get you know put out 
in through like six or I think I want to say six fights, seven fights. Um, what do you chalk this up to? I mean, clearly the kid has physical tools. Is this just inexperience? I think it's an experience, and I think this was his toughest competition to date. This guy was a former challenger for the belt. He was obviously going to be a big step step up for Pico. I think it's it's way too early to you know close the door on him. Um, he was a world class wrestler from right. He I mean, do you, to, well, do you think they're he was supposed to compete, compete for the Olympics? Wasn't I, that sounds right? Well, do, I mean, do you think Bellator's giving him too hard of matchups already, or is this just going to happen at this point? You know me, Bob. With these young prospects, I would love if the UFC and Bellator just gave them tomato cans for about 10 fights straight. I would follow the boxing method with all these people. I would have done it with Paige. I would have done it with Sage. I would have done it with my girl Rose. All right. Anyone who's like 22 and younger, I wouldn't give them anyone that's worth a damn until they're about 23. Just so that way you can build them up. And also, it gives them an opportunity to actually learn their craft and actually get better with their skills. Because let's face it, most athletes aren't John Jones. They're not going to be competing for the title at 22, 23 years old and be a top five you know, fighter. So I think it only makes sense that you don't just throw a 22, 22, 21-year-old to the fire like this. Marcus, um... I was wondering, did you get a chance to hear, read, or hear what Eddie Alvarez said about Aaron Pico? No. <laughs> okay, no, it's fine. I wanted to, because I think it was some good advice. Let me get your reaction to what Eddie said, because you've been Eddie Alvarez, Alvarez fan since the jump, basically. Eddie said, um, man, this sport is unforgiving. I hate seeing a 22-year-old uh, get hit like that. So talented and skilled at such a young age. Hope he takes the proper time off and let his brain rest properly. He has a bright future regardless of the result. It's tough to get a guy hurt in MMA standing up. Should you go for a takedown when he's hurt? Bunch of question marks. Uh, no, any good coach would tell a fighter to keep going, to keep good range, faint a lot, and get the hurt man to overcommit and get off balance, making the finisher easier. I am guilty of doing the same thing Pico just did. Everyone gets excited and makes mistakes while going for the kill. I've been dropped a lot for my impatience. The only way to learn better is to make the mistake. When a man is hurt, stay relaxed, faint a lot, and be super careful. There's nothing more dangerous than a man who has just seen the light. My coaches have told me this my whole career. Almost every time I was dropped, I was attempting to finish on a hurt man. Congrats to Henry. What do you think about, you know, the advice the old timers giving? And quite frankly, maybe do you see this as like a Pico can look at this and say, hey, I can still do this. Here's a model for me. All right, yeah, I mean, I don't think this loss should, I mean, hopefully it doesn't deter him and make him think that he's not capable of, you know, fighting at, at the highest level um, of the sport. Because I, I honestly think he is. I think what we've seen throughout his career is, one, you know, he lost his first match very quickly, and that kind of took a little bit of the shine off. What we saw in the next four fights was him dismantling his opponents in, you know, very short time using stand-up. And this is a collegiate, you know, standout wrestler I feel like what maybe some of the takeaways is that I think Eddie's advice is is sound. And I think that's just solid advice that any real veteran, especially someone, you know, that has had all the wars that Eddie's had, what would give the same thing, you know, not to get too overzealous when he has a guy hurt. Um, but for me, what I really want to see from Aaron Pico, and I'm still very excited about his prospect because one, we saw after his first loss, he made tremendous bounds in his skill level um, to the point where he's not playing to his strengths at all, which I think is somewhat of a detriment. I think him uh getting the 
boxing chaps from Freddie Roach and him learning the sweet science and, and finding a lot of success there early in matches where he's going to deliver consistently, which he did in, in this round, was able to hurt his opponent early. Um, really what I want to see from Aaron is hard fighter at belt and to mix up his skills a lot more. Um, I think this was kind of one of those instances where, yeah, he had the guy hurt. He kept pushing hoping to get that that finishing blow, and it didn't materialize. And he put himself in basically, you know, the, the end of this fight was they were in a clinch position where I think Pico had him in a tie clinch, and Henry Corrales came over the top with a big uh, with a big sh uh, shot. That, that put Aaron Pico away in basically one punch. And I feel going forward, maybe what Pico should be maybe thinking and training more is that when I'm getting in clinches, maybe instead of going tie clinch and trying to do damage, I should really get over unders, unders, and I don't remember. Bobby, do you remember? Is he freestyle or is he Greco? Because the dude's Greco. Honestly, his um, he's well, he's freestyle. He's got okay, he's, he's got credentials so, in freestyle, pancreation, and boxing. Man's well rounded yeah. coming in. Well, so, I mean, I mean, and, and, to, and to shine a little bit of light on that, Greco is basically you can't shoot on dudes, so it's all upper body. It's almost like the judo equivalent of uh, you know, amateur wrestling. And freestyle is more of what you would see college level guys where they're, they're, they shoot takedowns okay so so knowing that you know i would still think that maybe you know tie clinch isn't a strong suit for him maybe he hasn't really utilized that skill set yet especially since he's been training his hands a lot so i think it was just you know a margin of error that caught up with him in this fight um for me it doesn't really take a lot away i think anyone could get caught and especially just seeing how much he improved after that first loss i still have a lot of um, excitement for Aaron Pico and where his his career is going to go from here. Um, and I'm not even mad with how Bellator has been slowly kind of getting him tougher fights because, um, I mean, Mike said this was his toughest fight. I thought his last fight, uh, Leandro Higo, who also fought for a title, had like 30 fights under his belt. I thought that was a very steep test for him, which he came out with flying colors. So I think this isn't necessarily throwing him in, into deep waters too quickly. Um, they did that in the last fight. He came out just fine. I think he has to be tested. I think that he does need to fight more credible guys. And I think ultimately what I want to see from him is to get some rounds in. Um, none of his fights have gone past the first. None of them have made it to the four-minute mark. I would like to see this guy really get some time, some some solid cage time in there, and just get more comfortable because it definitely seems at this point he goes out not – as a berserker, but he goes out smelling blood and trying to get that finish early because he's been successful that way. I want to see him get comfortable putting in the rounds, putting these guys on their back and getting them tired. And that's where he's. This is when he tires his crisp, when they're not going to be able to find these little minute opportunities to really score on the guy. That's when his fucking hands, when he lets those go, that's really going to see the killer then. So I think he needs to, to, to put all of the, the pieces together because uh, what we've seen is that I haven't seen this fucking kid wrestle at all in MMA. I've seen him throw hands, and they've been really good. I want to see when he's able to wrestle a dude for a round, get him tired, get that dude to get his hands down, and then see him go to the body, then see him throw combinations to the head. And even then, throw in a takedown attempt, mix it up, keep these guys on the toes. He has a lot of tools to work with. And he just likes that fucking hammer, you know. And it's like, dude, sometimes you can't get the screw out of the out of the joint with the back of the hammer. You have to get a screwdriver. He has to use different tools I mean, for different this, opponents. This is a guy getting trained at AKA. They know how to make a wrestler into a striker. 
He just needs to not forget his base. If anybody wants to have a good time, so one second, Steph, is you go on Aaron Pico's Wikipedia page and just read the wrestling section because it starts off with this fucking uh, sentence. Pico has experience in folk style, freestyle, and Greco-Roman wrestling, having won the U.S. National Championship in all three styles at both the cadet and junior level. I mean, fuck me. Like, Jesus Christ. And then later on, we get to read about how at age 16, he got to the, he qualified for the Olympic trials and got fucking second. So yeah. Anyway, sorry. Cut to you. Back to you, Steph. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to chime in because I haven't heard it said yet. I get the talk and the focus on Pico because he's the big favorite. He's the big hype prospect. But um, as good old Jr. would say, Corrales survived a hellacious uppercut. That uppercut finishes most fighters. So all this talk about Pico is it really was such a coin flip that none of this needs to be said at all about Pico. Um, he stood in the pocket too long, absolutely, against a guy who knew who was just, you know, swinging for the fences. But that Corrales, like, came back from that uppercut, that deserves a lot of attention, too. Because, uh, yeah, you know, Corrales being a guy with a really good record, a guy who fought for the belt, like, that's that's a that's a feather in his cap, you know? Like, the dude has a chin. That uppercut probably cleanly knocks out the rest of the division. So, um, yeah, there, there's, there's a difference said. for a belt. I, I'm, I'm banking on you guys. Just re- I'm just it's, it's, it's Okay, you know what? He, he fought Daniel Strauss and all those other motherfuckers. Maybe he didn't fight for the belt, but he fought yeah, for the, champ- fought the first, when, he, when he went to Bellator, he lost his first three fights. Yeah, you know what? I, 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 they just, I think but, he just fought that level of competition. So he didn't fight right, for the belt, yeah. actually. Okay. I got it early on, but I'm like, you know what? Fine, let's get the guy a credential he doesn't have. I don't know his history. I'm just I'm, I trust in you guys. Well, Stefan, um, what I want you to talk about is the man, the the real American, the man who came out, yelled, we the people, got on top. I can't on to- believe he did that. I can't, I, I can't that believe not, he did it either. <laughs> that wasn't a popular gimmick. That was a very unpopular gimmick, and it was kind of the death of his professional wrestling career thereafter. I'm like, this is the angle that you're going with? You're going with the we the people thing? You know, like- what? You know what? He went out there. He handled business, though. We got to give the man credit. Went against the guy who was... 40-year-old man who was 0-1? It, it looked really like, you know... what against the man I wanted CM Punk to fight. That's what it looked like. I'm J.W. Kaiser, I mean, his name sounds like a, like he was involved in the JFK assassination. All right? That kind of name, J, fucking J.W. Kaiser. I mean, yeah, he went out there. He took care of business, though. I mean, Mike, you and I are watching it. He got on top of him. He passed. He elbowed the shit out of him. He choked him. What else do you want, huh? I mean, yeah, like Mark said about Pico, you know, go into your strengths. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. He had submission attempts. I give him that. He didn't just control. I, I like that he actually had a functional submission attempt. Mike, are we going to see something? Do we have something here? He's 36 uh, years old. No, I, w- I was going to say that Um, I had just learned a wrestler. And if I hadn't been told that previously, I still would have been pretty impressed by how he looked. I mean, yeah, man was an All-American at Oklahoma. Um, I I mean, he wasn't known in the WWF for his mic skills, but this is MMA, and fucking people will eat any stupid thing people say up. The bar's so, low. Yeah, bar's so low. You can be Chael's, up, like, Chael's like number two all time, and all he did was rip off superstar Billy Graham. I mean, people are enjoying Covington, for love of God. Jake, uh, Jake Hager can go out there and recycle his shitty old gimmick left and right. It'll be great. 36 years old. Really young, I don't know. Maybe fight a guy at least your size next time. We'll see what's going on. Um, but 
he's a, you know he's a pro wrestler. He looks good. You know, guy's in good shape. Took a massive pay cut to do this shit. By the way, just to put that out there. Like he does not. He can make infinitely more money wrestling, and he like voluntarily left Vince. So props. I will him. say he. Um, I actually thought he looked physically. He looked good because uh, the last time I had previously seen him was on Up Up Down Down. And he had gotten real pudgy because he wasn't, they weren't really using him on the active roster, but he was still just forced to travel and be backstage all the time. Probably doing house shows, I imagine. Hell of, um, hell of a Madden player, yeah. too. He got real pudgy in there. So it was nice to see a man just get in shape. Hell of a Madden player, too, Steph, if you've seen him on Up, Up, Down, Down. Hell of a Madden player. Man, all those players are so salty about their Madden games. Dude, they take that shit so seriously. Um, Bellator, you're not going to, it's not going to be back until February 9th. Something called Bellator Europe One. Why? Um, one of the pitbulls, the less good one, is going against some guy named Ryan Scope. There's a lot of O and O's on this card. You're not going to watch it. Um, let's talk about some UFC because we had some peace this week, but that this over the, the 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 barrage is coming, folks. All these fucking events, one after another. And we're going to start off with a rematch because the UFC didn't like the result they got the first time around. Do you do you think that's a fair assumption here, Stefan? That's why we're doing this again. Sorry, say again. You cut out. I'm saying we're we're, we're doing we're going to go and we're we're going to go out there and give ourselves a paper a, a card headlined by a fight that's being done again because the UFC didn't like the result the first time around. Which one are we talking about? Bob, I don't got them all. A Sun Sao and Marais too. Why are we doing oh, this Oh, the one where the imminent one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, see, I also didn't know where you're going because I didn't realize they fought already. But there we go. <laughs> that's the story of uh, Sun Sao's career, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, when I tell you when they didn't like the result they got, you know who won. <laughs> like, to be honest here. Um, yeah, folks. So we're, we're sending it to Brazil, and that's somehow going to change this outcome? I mean, it was in Brazil. It was in Brazil the first time. As Mark puts it, maybe they don't count Morais as Brazilian enough. I mean, Mark, what else? That's a that's a good theory, if you ask me. What else do you want? Uh, I mean, I've I've just seen a lot of a Sun South fights where they're razor thin, and when he's in Brazil, he always gets the nod. <laughs> you know, I think it now probability is kind of out the door. Just your your uh, coin tosses don't end up he heads that many times. Um, and I don't even know, Bobby, if this is like UFC hated the result, or it might just be. A Sun Sal is the most accomplished bantamweight, and Morales has nice. kind of reclimbed the ranks. I mean, you look at what he's done after that loss, and it's three top-notch victories against Jod Dodson, uh, Sterling, and Jimmy Rivera. And I don't, you know, the division's not the deepest in the world. You know, there's there's definitely other fights they could have slotted him against, but he's at that top echelon right now. And I don't hate this um, rematch as much as. A Sun Sao just doesn't really do a ton for me, you know, excitement wise. He's a great fighter. He gets wins. They're super close and competitive. They're not just not really compelling to me. Whereas, you know, when I look at Marlon Moraes, a lot of his fights are just fucking action packed and really fun. I think if I had my way, I'd love to see Marlon and uh, Dillashaw fight for the title. Uh, Marlon, I think he gets past the Sun Sao. That's an obvious, the next step they go to. If a Sun Sao wins, it is kind of a tougher sell for him in Dillashaw just because they have fought. I mean, Mark, don't, don't you think we're just going to get fucking Henry jumping off both of these guys and we're they're just they're they're serving us lip service that this is a number one contender fight? Yeah, I mean, and then, I mean that that's the wild card, right? Are they? And it seems like a 
one that kind of makes sense since the UFC still doesn't seem super sold with um, the wait flyweight division, right? I'm trying to remember which one. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that, that could be another option, right? If they don't like, because I mean, I think it's a tough sell. They fought twice. Neither fight was particularly must watch TV. Um, and I think, you know, a Henry TJ rematch, you know, sells a lot better, especially since, you know, all the hubbub we talked about a couple weeks ago with that event being so popular and getting a lot of eyeballs on it. I think a rematch would do very well for both guys, you know, pay-per-view wise, m- much, much more so than a Sun Sound TJ. I want TJ to fight the winner of this fight. I want Henry to fight Joseph, but I, I don't get what I want anymore with this sport. Uh, you guys listening, um, getting a little bit of... Uh, some internet issues, so apologies, but we really can't do anything about what Comcast and who, who the fuck do I have? Wave and Mike, you have Time Warner? Well, it's Spectrum, but I actually think for once it wouldn't be my internet because the guy actually came last week. I'm getting over 150 megabytes per second right now. I mean, I'm getting over 600. Doesn't mean things are going to go well, all right? How the hell are you getting 600? Because I pay money for that, for it. I'm a moron. Um, also, it doesn't. It's not your download speed; it's your upload speed. So the downloads, you're looking at the wrong number. Why you gotta cut me like that, man? I cut you earlier too. I felt bad about that one. This one less so. Marcus, in fairness, um, almost everybody thought Maurice won the first one. So I'm just, you know, I'm being, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm being, I'm being, I'm being a real dick about it. Try to get the sunset. A lot of these decisions he get, I'm like, you know what? I think that other guy won. But we're in Brazil, and it's going to the judges, so I know a Sun is going to win. And that logic has not failed me is, since. Are we going to pick who's going to win? Is somehow a Sun more Brazilian than Moraes? Yes. I, 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 I mean, I don't know. One of them's hanging out with Ali Abdelaziz. I'm not having he, he, He's going to be fucking me. But just looking at those two guys, I think Marlon, does he not live in the States? I'm just telling you, you hang out with Ali Abdelaziz. You end up with Kazakh. I'm saying he's going to end up with Kazakhstani citizenship soon enough, hanging out with these people, with, with Ali Abdelaziz. So let's make some picks here. Stefan, you got betting odds? I got the odds. What are we looking at here? So we got, you know, because uh, the betters, you know, they don't trust what they know. They're just the betters sometimes are like, I know better because they got Marlon Marais as the minus 170 favorite to Rafael Sunsau's plus 150. What do you got, brother? Oh, man, I really, really want to pick a Sun Sal because you you mentioned it that it's going to be Henry that fights TJ for that 135 strap. So, of course, the Sun Sal is going to win. And of course, he's not going to get the title shot because he's just going to stand in a holding pattern. And that's the story of his career. But that said, I'm a fucking sucker. I'm a big, dumb idiot. And I was just so impressed by Maurice beating Jimmy Rivera. I thought Jimmy Rivera was next. And he just fucking obliterated him with that head kick. Uh, yeah, Maurice. He's just a better fighter, but he might lose a, a close decision because that's what a Sun Sao do. But I'm going to be stupid, just like all the uh, people who set the Vegas line. I'm, I'm going to take a Sun Sao. Um, I was at his last fight in Vegas when he said he literally made a play. He's like, guys, I've won nine of my last ten. I know there, I know there's like no knockouts in there, but decisions are hard, too. Please let me fight for the belt. And the crowd, ga- the crowd gave him the most like polite like golf clap. Like, yeah, man, okay, fuck, man. Let's becoming an old boring man. I loved that promo. It was just courteous. It was yeah. polite, and he just kind of laid out logical steps. He basically just let, put like a five bullet point of like, I've done this, this, and this. Come on, what are you saying? I'm like, you know what? You convinced me. You know, um, honestly, he's beat all the people he beat in this like nine and one range. I'm like, I know. I mean. I know basically, oh, sorry, 10 and 1 in his last 11, correction. But, like, 
I know pretty much all these people. Like, they're all pretty good. They're all relevant people, more or less. Like, fuck. And you make him fight the same guy again. I know he, I know the judge's decision was questionable, but it wasn't so questionable that they didn't make him fight immediately. It wasn't one of those. So, um, I hope, I get why he's the underdog, but I want him to win. I got a Sun Sal. And it's early enough in the year, Stefan. I'm also thinking I can make up a lot of ground come around June if I need to start paying attention to this. Mark, what do you think? I don't care about the standings right now. Once you get a ring, you're done. Mike, you need a ring. Mark, what do you got here? Uh, yeah, I'm going with the Sun Sao too. Like I mentioned before, this is just following my own logic that has, has had me some success in the past where I, I feel like he just gets the nod. Um, there's definitely caveats to this fight. I think it being a five-round fight kind of makes it interesting. Um, and and honestly, like excitement-wise, I do want uh, Murray's to win. I just think um, he's in a more exciting fighter. I think him and a TJ fight is really compelling to me. Um, and I, he just seems like a cool guy. You know, he's had a lot of really fun, entertaining performances. Um, a Sun Sao is just a workhorse, though. And giving five rounds, you know, I, I honestly don't know if that's going to sway in his favor or not. Because I'm trying to remember what are the rounds that and these splits where he's really lost the round. He's, 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 he's going the same speed the whole fight, Mark. And nobody looks good when it's over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, which is kind of, yeah. So I'm going with the Sun Sao. I, I'm pulling for uh, Maurice, though. But he, I just... You know, I, I made up this my my own little narrative in my head where he just gets the nod in Brazil, so I'm I'm gonna roll with that. I honestly remember um I think I was watching it with Stefan Marais's I mean Asunsa when he fought Faber in WEC. When they said Asunsa had never been taken down or something, and they go Raya like takes him down, takes his back and chokes him, and you're like, Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well that's happening. Um my uh Mike. I mean I can't believe we're here. <laughs> so who you got? Who are you going to go? It's a Sun Sour Marais. Bob, you're cutting me all show. Why you got to remind me? I lost the championship last year by one uh, by one fight. That's just mean. Uh, besides that. You pick that bum named Cyborg. Yeah. Why would you pick Cyborg? Ridiculous way to end That's That was just a foolish way to do things. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I would love for Marais to win. Um, I think that this is likely a contender 1A fight in that I think all else fails the money for the 135 for the next 135 title it's going to be Henry and TJ they'll likely schedule whoever is the winner of this fight on that card just in case somebody gets hurt like the week of the fight so I still think you know this fight has some juice behind it in terms of title implications possibly uh, Moraes is a very exciting fighter, but a Sun Sao's won nine of ten. Well, nine of ten, I think his last his last uh loss was to Dillashaw, right? Uh, yeah. And you know, I'm gonna take the uh the proverbial winner, um, the guy who's who's been winning a lot, and I think sadly for him, you know, logic is kind of out the window when it comes to title. You know who who gets the next title shot, and him giving just a very nice, you know, polite and passionate plea to get the title. That's not gonna get that shit done, all right? He needs to win, drop trout, and say I shit on all of my competitors. Mike, don't do an accent. That was terrible. Damn. <laughs> I don't even know who that was or what it was. It Did- sounded like it was GSP to me. Okay, I'm gonna put this I'm real quick. Unless I, missed, I lost track of what happened here. Did we all pick the fucking underdog? No, uh, Steph picked Morris. Oh, okay. Well done. Fun. You're alone on a favorite. Yeah, shit. Guys, 
I thought I was gonna be the only moron singing the top, <laughs> singing this tune. We, we had a good discussion leading up to this. We know a Sun Sao wins, even when we think he doesn't. It's like that cheat code in the old UFC game: get knocked out, you win. Sun Sao is gonna take that belt off of TJ when they fight in Fortaleza in six months. Watch. Um, co-main event of this card uh, is actually the co-main event because Jose Aldo didn't want to fight five rounds. He said, which is what Dana White said. I take it as. Jose Aldo wasn't willing to fight five rounds and promote a fight as the main event for X number of dollars. Just Mike P.S. here. Jose Aldo coming back. Um, last time we saw him, I want to say he whooped Jeremy Stevens' ass. Is that what happened, or am I wrong about that? Uh, uh, you're correct. Yeah, he. I don't know if it was an ass whooping. I think it was a little competitive, but he got it done. Man, he was chopping him apart. I, didn't, I mean, there was no moment where it looked like he wasn't going to win, if I remember correctly. I Maybe so. I'm not remembering correctly. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, coming back, he's going to take against Hanato Moicano, a man who's been, you know, the hardcores have been talking about for a while that this guy's going to be a champion one day. 13-1-1. Um, one one, um, he drew in Brazil back in uh, 2012. His one loss was to Brian Ortega, guillotine choke in the third round, three minutes and 29 seconds. If he lost to Brian Ortega in the third round by submission, do you know what happened in the uh, with, with the first two rounds, guys? He was definitely winning. He was him. kicking the shit out of him. Um, what are the betting lines here, Steph? Um, I had to do a double take at this. Yeah, me uh, too. <laughs> um, outside of the Connor fight, which just you know, crazy Connor fans do what they do to the lines. Um, I cannot recall the last time I saw uh, Jose Aldo as an underdog. He is. Pl- it's close, but he's plus one hundred five. Holloway. Uh, Moicano is minus one twenty five. Uh, he- I. Oh yeah, Holloway. Okay, those those ones don't count. Um, I mean, it, oh, it, oh, in fairness, only only the second Holloway fight. The first one, he was still a favorite. <laughs> a recent history aside, Aldo has just been. He not only has he been a favorite for so long, you know, he he's in that he was in that John Jones Anderson tor- territory of being massive favorites for an ex- really extended. Period. So you know, him as an underdog is always still a little bit surprising. I mean, yeah, Steph, you're right. I mean, it's the the second Holloway fight, the McGregor fight, and before that. That's so weird. I mean, Mike besides, Brown. Besides against Holloway, when has Aldo looked bad in the last few years? He was underdog against Mike Brown when he took Mike Brown's featherweight title. Oh, That's no. how long I'm not saying when was the last time he was an underdog. I said when was the last time he looked bad. I don't even, th- even think he looked that bad against Max Holloway. He did he drop him or was that the first the second or was that the first fight? He never dropped him. He did. Max Holloway got up and clapped for him at one point. <laughs> Um, who do you got, Steph? Oh, Actually, you know what? That's not fair. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to make you go first again. Fuck it. I'm taking Jose Aldo because I'm not ready to give up on this. <laughs> and uh, you know what? As you guys can tell from my commentary a little later, I find it a little ridiculous that Aldo is an underdog. I'm going with Aldo. Stefan, does this help you now? <laughs> yeah, because uh, I was going to take Aldo. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I called... To me, Aldo's demise was either going to be after that Connor knockout because I thought he was mentally broken or not. The the Holloway ones, that's a different thing because Holloway is just, he's a different beast. And, you know, on his rise, I, I kind of said it for a while. I, I just chose a champion Ortiz, but like, ugh, I, that, that, I do remember that Ortiz uh, fight because I'm a big fan of him. And yeah, Hinato's, his stand-up looks good. And it's it's tough because very few people have really outclassed Aldo in stand-up uh, over his career. Um, but since both of you already took him, I'll mix it up. 
and I'll take the favorite. But yeah, I'm shocked. Although, had you stuck with me first, I probably would have taken Aldo. But ooh, I mean, that just means this should be a good fight. Yeah, Mark, uh, that's a good point. This, I very much like what I mean. The main event may not be so great if Asansau just runs over and does his thing for 25 minutes, but top two fights, hopefully good. Mark, what do you got in the co-main though? Yeah, I'm glad uh, Stefan took Renato, so I can take Aldo with <laughs> no worries. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, I, I, we're just backing Stefan into taking favorites now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I I think uh, this is a tough matchup. Um, uh, Renato's last fight against Cub Swanson, he dropped him. I mean, I think that would be one of my critiques is that his stand-up isn't particularly deadly. This isn't a guy that gets a lot of knockouts or TKOs. But when you bring in the caveat that, you know, he only got the submission on Cub because he dropped him with, I think it was like a jab or something, um, I think really says a lot about, you know, the versatility of not only his own skill set, but his natural ability. This, this dude's a lengthy guy. Like, if you haven't seen him, he has long arms, he has long legs, and, and he fights with them. He, you know, he fights with them smartly. He uses a lot of straight punches and low kicks. Um, I just feel like a lot of times we all, or at least for myself, I have uh, underestimated Jose Aldo a couple times in picking fights, and I don't want to do that again. Um, I think it's a really close matchup. I do think uh, Renato is probably going to have a hard time taking Aldo down. He's not the easiest dude to take down. And in a stand-up fight, I just like Aldo. I think especially with him utilizing his low kicks a lot in his last fight, if he does that here, I think he can find a lot of success. So I feel comfortable with Aldo, but it's going to be a tough one. I mean, here, let's talk about the next fight and see if we can back Stefan into the faith, taking the favorite. Damian Maya, uh, Lyman Good. Uh, Damian Maya has lost a lot of fights. I know this because I write about it in my journal. It was a day of sadness. Three in a row. Tyrone Woodley, Colby Covington, Kamaro Usman. Um, yeah, that happened. Lyman Good, former Bellator champion? Uh, he was their inaugural welterweight champion. I do remember his fight with Ben Askren, actually, because it was going the way fights with Ben Askren tend to go. And then in the last, like, minute, he threw up a triangle. And for, like, maybe good five seconds, you're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit, Ben Askren's in trouble. He wasn't in trouble. Um, Lyman Good's been in the UFC for a little bit now. Three fights, two and one in those three. Both of those knockouts... Um, his loss was a split to Eliazo Zaleski Dos Santos. Um, Lyman Good, 33 years old, fighting out of New York, fighting out of Harlem. I'm sorry, fighting out of Manhattan from Harlem. Team Tiger Shulman. Um, Damian Maya's old as shit, but he's my guy. I'm digging Damian Maya's. Uh, minus 170, Stefan, right? Minus 170, Lyman Good, plus 150. Yeah, I mean, I'm, there's two ways of looking at this. is like the UFC is going to send Damian Maya out there against someone they might think maybe highly of and... They can get he can get Damian Maya's name on his record, or the UFC is looking at Lyman Good, you know, being a guy who yeah he knows some submissions, but you know he's got ten wins by knockout, three by submissions, and if Damian Maya gets on top of him, he can put him away maybe a little easier. I'm just gonna assume it's you know we're giving Damian Maya a fight he can win maybe, and I got Damian Maya, Mark. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm also going with Damian Maya. Um, I actually like Lyman Good a lot. Um, I remember his stint in Bellator. I was pretty impressed with just his kind of versatility. Um, he's a pretty good stand-up fighter. He has submissions off his back. I remember when he was trying out for the Ultimate Fighter. I was like, "Oh, dude, shit! Lyman Good's gonna run this shit." And he lost his first fight, and then at that point, I'm like, "Yeah, I need to cool the jets on this bro just a little bit." So I think you can definitely look at Maya's um, last people last. 
uh, three performances where he lost all his fights and say like, oh, maybe this dude doesn't have it anymore. But, you know, look next to that L and look at the names he's getting it. These are dudes that either hold or are in contention for holding the belt. This is top tier. This is, you know, top shelf talent that he's faced and, you know, come up short. I don't hold Lyman good in that same breath. When you can't make it into the ultimate fighter house, it's going to stain you in my eyes for a little bit. So I'm going with Damian Maya here. Um, I'm not going to be upset if Lyman good wins because, like I said, I like the kid. Um, I saw a lot of promise in him. This would be a great fight to really turn that narrative for him in my head. To get a win over Damian Maya would say a lot to me for Lyman Good. This would be a huge win for him. I don't think he's going to get it, though. When I write about the uh, Damian Maya losing to Lyman Good, I will write that Mark is a <laughs> negative person and should be avoided when discussing the greatness of Damian Maya. Mike, I'm going to lay this out to you for you, buddy. You got a guy fighting out of New York City, all right? There's that one side of it. You got the fact, though, that his nickname is Cyborg, and that did not go so well for you back at the... Uh, end of last year what do you got here buddy oh <laughs> uh, i would never let past uh past mistakes cloud my future judgments and i would not let someone just being from new york city taint my picks i'm gonna go with damian maya he's lost a lot um recently but i'm gonna give the old man another shot and uh question for you bob was the first entry in your Damian Maya diary when you uh, talked him up ever so much against Nate Marquardt? No, see, that one, the entry was the tears I cried into my pillow that night. There was no oh. paper needed at that point. I uh, gotcha, gotcha. That was, I, God damn it. Mike's throwing punches back now. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Um, Stefan. Uh, yeah, taking, taking Maya, uh, even though he's had a losing streak, like, Everything Mark said. That was against the that losing streak is against arguably the top three of the division. Um, good. He's more of a journeyman. I, I in my head, I kind of just picture him as like you know a solid kickboxer with some more of a jujitsu base than a wrestling base. And basically, this is if if as long as Maya is just not too old now, because at some point he will just be too old. I kind of see him just finally meeting someone he can actually grapple against. Uh, I'm. Real quickly, I'm you know, uh, Lyman Good is a Tiger Shulman product. I'm looking at Tiger Shulman's Wikipedia page, and the first it says this article has multiple issues. The first one, this article is an autobiography or has been extensively edited by the subject or by someone connected to the subject. So Lyman Good out on Wikipedia, trying to make sure people know the truth. Um, did we all pick Damian Maya just now? Yeah, I believe so. Well I mean, done, us. I'm saying yeah. uh, it seems like a pretty chalk card for me, anyways. Um, Charles Oliveira, Do Bronx, is taking on David Tamor. Um, David Tamor is really fucking good. Um, a bit of a prospect, five and five wins in a row in the to start his UFC compute career, eight and one overall. Uh, these wins in the UFC have all been by this have been three by decision, two by knockout. Overall, the man's got four knockouts, four wins by decision, so we know how he doesn't win fights. And he's taken on Charles Oliveira, who wins fights exactly one way. Uh, fought very recently. Okay, I'm not crazy here. Um, tapped out uh, Jim Miller at 155 pounds back in December, uh, making him, having them fight again um, after Jim Miller took Oliveira's shine and leg uh, maybe five years earlier. Betting odds for this one, Stefan. 
Yeah, sorry. Um, it's another. I mean, this whole main card is more or less coin flips. Um, Oliveira as a minus one twenty five favorite to David Tamer's plus one oh five. Marcus, what do you think in this clash of styles? Yeah, I mean, I like Charles Oliveira a little bit in this fight, um, mostly because I, I I've seen David fight. It's not ringing a bell. I'm like looking up videos, like who exactly did he fight and how did he look and what's his style. I mean, he has great names on his record, um, and I think you know a stand up style could uh, be difficult uh, for uh, Charles Oliveira. We obviously know you know on the ground in scrambles that's where he's going to be his most dangerous, but he has to get it there. Um, and the 20 seconds I saw of David Tamer, uh, uh, his highlight really had a great sprawl. So, um, I'm going with Charles Oliveira. Um, this is really just one of those fights where if David looks great, um, hopefully he stays in my memory a little bit better than his past performances. I mean, cause he's beaten some top guys on um, some guys that really, um, he deserves to get more credit from me for winning guys against like Londo, um, and Nick Lentz, you know, maybe to a lesser degree. I, I think I hold Londo, uh, Benata a little bit higher than um, Nick Lentz, but I- I'm going with Charles. He's kind of on a little bit of a hot streak. Um, he now has the most submissions in UFC history, so let's just keep that uh, train a rolling, and he can get 13. Um, I'm going to take... Uh, I, mean, I, remember, I have a pretty good idea, David Tamor, at this point. I have to be reminded, though, as well, Marcus, because I was like, uh, what? why do I know this guy at all? But I, I think I got to go with uh, Charles Oliveira, and there's some sort of... Um, this is a logic you go with. Well, like, you know, you do a multiple choice test and you get to a question. You don't know the answer, but you, and you want to pick B, but you're like, man, I've picked like two or three B's in a row. So I just have to pick like a C or something. I haven't seen a C in a while. Some of that. There's no way it's three B's in a row. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So my logic here is kind of in that vein where I'm like, it's not really anything related to do with this fight where I'm like, man, you're making a Brazilian fight a Brazilian in the main event in Brazil. You're making Jose Aldo fight a young prospect in the co-main event. Man, they gotta send the Brazilians happy on be happy on some level. They're not gonna send a Swedish kid down there to to beat up another Brazilian. So yeah, man. I'm you know we might see the funeral of old man Damian Maya too. So I gotta go with something going well here. So I'm gonna go with uh, the Brazilian getting the win here. Stefan, what do you think? <laughs> it's funny a point Mark brought up because I was gonna use a very uh, Marxist uh, style of making my pick. Um, and I simply don't have enough information about Tamer. Like he's, I just am not familiar with him. So picking him would kind of be based on nothing. But then Mark made the comment of him having a good sprawl. And the last fighter that I did not believe in their sprawl is when I was not an early adopter of uh, Joanna. And I was like, all she's doing is practicing sprawls. I'm like, oh, the, the Cookie Monster got this. And I'm like, oh, that sprawl was very legit. That was a very legit sprawl indeed. Because, yeah, it could look like that. Um, that comment has made me hesitant. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with him. So I'm going to keep it chalk. I'm just going with four favorites. Mike. So also for you listeners out there, by Marxist way of viewing things. I was waiting Stephon for this. Met Mark Paris's way of viewing things, not Karl Marx. Well, no, come on. When people say Marxist, they know they're talking about Mark Paris and his MMA picking strategies. <laughs> of course, of course. A uh, couple of just quick facts on Charles Oliveira. Every win, as Bobby alluded to, every win of his in the UFC except for one has been by submission. Uh, he had one unanimous victory in his uh, UFC career against Jeremy Stevens. Uh, 
And of those submissions, all of them except for three were either by guillotine choke or or uh, or rear naked. I'm going with uh, Oliveira. Thank you, Mike. To be fair, Oliveira is the kind of dude that would knock them out. And instead of letting the referee stop it, he would climb on top of him and put him in a choke real quick. He's like, no, no, no. This is like, he's tapped. He's unconscious because of the choke, not because I knocked him out. Is this thinking it's like Dennis Seaver, where like most of his wins are by submissions, even though he is purely like a kickboxer? Because he spin kicks the shit out of their liver. And when the dude's doubled over, he's like all rear naked choking right now. Um, I have this impression of Oliveira, and you guys tell me if there's a reason for this, where I think. If if Oliveira is fighting somebody and he gets cracked semi decently early on, he's definitely gonna lose the fight. Like I'm he's not saying he's gonna, I'm not saying he's gonna get knocked out, but if you get him, like you get him, like you get him, you get a good shot on him, and he feels it, he's like, yeah, I'm, I think he does have a tendency power. to turtle up. I'm not trying to call. I'm not like I don't want to say like I'm not trying to like. I think it's when Cowboy cracked him on early in his UFC run. It's that he had. It's like the. It's it's like that Brock Lesnar thing, and it was tough for people to live down. Is like you see him feel his face, yeah. and then he kind of like winces back from it. Like yeah, like you see you see him break in that moment, like where he feels and he's like, "This hurts, and I don't want to fight anymore." Remember like, when Max like punched him in the throat or something, and like he was just done fighting. Like he said he had a neck injury or something. I would also be done if uh, I got punched in the throat. That's- I mean, he, he, yeah, I mean, I would too. Like, look, if you if you kick me and if you step on my toe hard enough, I'm gonna give up. Like, let's not diminish that part here. But like, I your friend, I just want to credit him because like, I, it's a it's an expression I use thereafter. It's like if someone's even attempting to put an arm bar on me, I'm tapping. Like. If they've gotten this far, no. then uh, that's no, it. I don't want you have to do what all the pro fighters and people that, that do. was this is what I've seen everywhere is that people that you know they mentally given up, but you won't tap until it starts hurting. <laughs> like a lot of times, you'll see guys in submissions; they have their hand ready. They're like, "I'm gonna tap, but not until okay." There it is. There it is. Now. No, no, no. <laughs> that was uh, that was um, my guy. Me and Mike went to law school with Gabe. It was still like the most poignant thing Gabe ever said, where he's just like. Man, they just go for my arm. I'm already tapping. No, no, they're not. I'm not letting them yank on that. I, nope, I'm not waiting until something breaks. I'm tapping out the second they grab my arm. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, there's other fights on this card, but yeah. I mean, I know who Livia Hinata Souza is, and she's real mean. So I think she's gonna win. So to keep an eye out for her fight against um Sarah Frost, Sarah Froda, Justin Ledet um is a pretty uh decent uh young fighter out there that's you know might be worth your time coming off his first career loss yeah junior albini on the bottom of this card apparently junior albini gonna show up in his diaper uh tiago alves is on oh my god we got that that guy named johnny walker but is brazilian is tiago alves officially an age that we can like believe that he's this age stuff on what how old do you think he is oh is that our that's our guy yeah who's like fought like 500 times in the ufc but he's probably like 34 35. Go 30, 35. 35 years old? I mean, mm, yeah. He, he was, up when he was 17 and 5, and now he's 22 and 13. So, yeah. There were a lot of injuries along that timeline as well. Yeah, things really took a turn around GSP. Okay, I mean, should, should we just talk about the elephant in the room? He probably he's, he's way smaller. He like, probably used. Uh, he was a big man. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, let's do stuff we like and get out of here. Um, first off, uh, I'm Stefan. 
well, I didn't get to do the wrestling minute last week. I forgot to preview the Royal Rumble. And then I didn't watch anything but the Men's Royal Rumble. And I didn't get to preview NXT TakeOver. I'm honestly curious because I've been watching. I'm really into NXT right now. What your impression of that show was. And specifically, you mentioned Bianca Belair. Someone I don't think you and I have ever talked about before. What do you think of her? Because she's kind of viewed as, obviously, to a less, little bit less fanfare. But she's kind of used as, viewed as the female Velveteen Dream in terms of ability. Um. Yeah, uh, Bianca Belair, who was in the co-main event slot. This is why I'm impressed by that match, and that was against Shayna Baszler, formerly of MMA fame, um, one of Ronda's posse. Uh, why I was really impressed by her is because where that match was slotted, it should not have been successful. It was bridging Johnny Gargano and Ricochet, and if you know who Ricochet is, he's one of the most athletically gifted people to ever. The man can fly. Um. Can I spoil something in the match for you? Oh, dude, go nuts. It's fine. Uh, they recreate the Osprey and Ibushi spot where he does the Hurricane Rana off the top. Rope I saw that like, gif. Yeah, oh, I saw that. Gif. But then this is why that gif and why New Japan was beautiful. It just does not have the camera angle work. Gargano yeah, makes, makes the reaction. Ricochet gives him like the um, the cool badass look back, but it just did not have the camera angles. <laughs> the, the cinematography that New Japan had. Um, if you're not familiar, just look up Osprey and Ibushi. Um, it's the only clip that matters in their entire career. Um, so between that match and then a main event of uh, their champion, Tommaso Ciampa and Aleister Black, this was kind of the throwaway match, if there was a throwaway match. But they performed. Uh, Bianca Belair, she stood out to me because she is a very physically impressive female wrestler. Um, I say, you know, when you look at a lot of the backgrounds of female wrestlers, a lot of them come from like, you know, their fitness models. So they're good shape. They're, you know, attractive women, but they may not necessarily have like the stunt background that can really help you. Like you saw how Rhonda, she, she's really taken to wrestling just because with her combat background, the movements are actually a bit more natural to her. I guess Belair was like a collegiate D one track athlete, like a track star. Yeah. Like, you know, who originally had athlete, uh, like Olympic dreams and you can see it, her, her verticality, her, like she can do a, um, what is it? 450 splash where you do yep. the forward front flip. Like you don't see a lot of women wrestlers who have that kind of aerial ability. Um, she's very strong. She's very physically strong. I know that's part of her gimmick. So, um, it's just a really high caliber, like athlete coming into wrestling and she held her own. Um, that was a really entertaining match. And like I said, it was just kind of in a position. And like coming off of that ricochet fight, you know, you're kind of on a come down from that, like all those high spots yet. They still told a really good story. Um, you got some past MMA. The other gang all came in Marina and I'm um, blanking on her name again. Justin, uh, oh, Justin Duke. Uh, so if you ever followed MMA, you probably saw their kind of short stints with the sport. But NXT, I mean, I can't say it's like the best takeover. They're all good. Like which match should you watch? All of them. Takeovers never really have bad matches. It's kind of the best wrestling organization in the world, in my opinion. Uh, Royal Rumble, I mean, what do you want to know? It was all right. I, it was way too long, but I just kind of left it on. I think in total, it was nearly a seven-hour event. Um, yep. The crowd and, died during Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, I heard. Yeah, that was weird. It's like, I think there were so many rumors going into this event, and nothing panned out that, like... I, I, 
I mean, I, I didn't know what was going on. I figured he was going to AEW. A lot of people became really hopeful that Kenny Omega would debut. Oh, that's just not happening. People are. Just I mean, hot. yeah, I figured he was going with his friends, but that's what everyone hoped for. But what they gave everyone instead is Nia Jax was the last entrant to the Men's Royal Rumble, and I'm like, well, that's a gimmick that no one's going to care about because no one likes Nia Jax. Like, she doesn't even have, like, those smart mark fans where they kind of, like, ironically like her or boo her. Like, she's just not liked because she's not good at wrestling. And she ended up being, I mean, they did some spots. And then so you had three of the men's wrestlers beat her up. So that just was weird. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, is it funny? Am I supposed to? Dude, I told you, I, it felt like a fever dream. No one knew how to feel about it because it started Mustafa Ali gave her a super kick. Ray Mysterio gave her the 619 and then Randy Orton gave her the RKO and it's just the whole thing you're watching it is like why are we doing this like who's this for I like that immediately they had her beat up the biggest baby faces they had to like have her kick the shit out of Ray have her kick the shit out of Mustafa so people will feel better about her getting beat up by dudes somehow see the men's wrestlers faces they felt weird about it too Uh, it's like this was like a last minute thing they decided and no one was super on board but what are you gonna do in the 11th hour um the Royal Rumble was weird I don't necessarily recommend that's usually the fun thing is the the whole entrance but they did it in a baseball stadium the stage was weird the ramp was weird it it's not a worthwhile event. I'd pass on that one. Yeah, fair enough. I love the Rumble. I mean, we. I mean, Rumble's always my favorite event because I like to, you know, me and my uh, roommate uh, Drew will always bet on it every year. But I've done it with Mark and Stefan. I've done. I got Mike to do this. I remember, and Mike thought this was the dumbest fucking idea. But then in the last two minutes, we were just standing up yelling at the TV because I had a guy left. He had a guy left, and our uh, third roommate Sal had a guy left in too. So. Can do Mike fun. Campbell, you can understand. Money makes everything more interesting. Money makes everything more interesting. Exactly. Indeed. I was just about to jump in that gambling can make anything entertaining. Exactly. Um, Steph, you got anything else this week? or you, you, uh, Yeah, I, I try to keep it quick because I, I talked a lot in that wrestling segment. Um, I was going to mention it last week, but I just forgot. Uh, I liked it. I know it's got a mixed bag of reviews, and uh, if anyone sees it, I'd love to talk to them about it. Um, I saw that movie Glass. Um Man, it, it was like nearly like nine. I think it came out in 2000, but uh, I liked Unbreakable. Um, it was really, it was a superhero movie before superhero movies really became a thing. And I thought the psychology of it was really clever. And it's kind of was right before Shyamalan kind of took a career dive. Um, I know this movie is a little polarizing and so got people discrediting Shyamalan all over again. And I got my issues with the film, but overall, I, you know, I thought it, I thought it was an enjoyable film. I was I was really enthralled through the first half of it. The questionable part is the ending, but when is that not the questionable part of a Shyamalan movie? So, uh, I mean, if you saw Unbreakable and if you saw Split, friggin' McAvoy is great in that movie. And he's the star of this film, oddly, even though it's called Glass. Um, it really still is James McAvoy's vehicle. But uh, I enjoyed it. If you've seen the others, I don't see why you wouldn't finish the trilogy. Fair enough. Um, Mike, are you with me this week where don't really have a lot at the moment, or do you have something? <laughs> no, I'm going to join you in that boat. Uh, don't have too much this week. Uh, me and Bobby were in Las Vegas from Thursday morning. So, no, um, not much. I guess that we one thing you I, know, here we go, that I like this week is uh, uh, our, friend Sal, our friend Sal's friend, Matt, uh, he was a big help with uh, the bachelor party this weekend. So, uh, big shout out to Matt. 
Worse. Now, did you guys not like anything in Vegas, or you just don't feel at liberty to talk about well, it? Well, let me tell you this. If you uh, if you guys want to go spend some money on some good fucking steak, craft steak in the MGM, which is Tom Colecchio's Steakhouse, was excellent. We got the domestic Wagyu sampler, which, while a lot of money, I'm going to go with worth it. Pretty fucking um, good. I'm, I'm, I can't say that's something I like. Because I'm not going to say it caused my stomach to explode, but coincidentally, uh, things went downhill for me the last day and a half after eating there. Yeah. I don't know what it was exactly. Well, in fairness, we did eat it all family style, so we all pretty much survived. So, Mike, I'm going to assume it's one of the other things that Man, went in there. Uh, maybe, maybe I just have a weak stomach. That I'm is- just going to interrupt with a random personal story, uh, but it involves you guys. The last time we were in Vegas, do you remember that this happened to me? This was just a very embarrassing moment. Nothing happened, but uh, I had a terrible uh, stomachache on Phil's birthday, and I ended up using the women's room. And I didn't know I was in the women's room until suddenly my stall was surrounded by chatting women. And I realized, holy shit, I'm in the wrong bathroom. And I'm like, how do I get out of this bathroom without being being spotted by the fewest people possible? So I'm like waiting and making sure there's no one walking to the toilets. There's no one washing their hands. I don't hear any voices down the hallway. Sure enough, I get through the whole bathroom. We're good. We're good. Get right outside the door. 12 women just standing right in front of the bathroom. (laughs) We emerge. You know what? I was in there with them. That was an embarrassing moment. Yeah, Mike did. Mike wasn't there for that one. That's why he's very much enjoying this at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the uh, previous night, we went to Morimoto's, also in the MGM. Of Iron went, Chef fame? Of Iron Chef fame. We thought we were going to his ramen pop-up, and turns out you kind of just can't get a table with seven people at the ramen pop-up. So we went and did his regular uh, thing there. Really fucking good, too. So Yeah, that was excellent. If you want to spend money on a lot of food, on food in Vegas, you'll eat good stuff, man. There's the best. Sh- I mean, that's the thing about Vegas. If you don't like gambling, you can just spend your time eating really good food. Speaking um, of Morimoto, uh, the night after we went there, when I was walking over to the steakhouse, I saw one of the property brothers at Morimoto's. I don't know which one it was because they're twins. Thank you. Um, yeah. So. Also, if you guys haven't never been to Fat Choi, it's cheap and it's delicious. Eureka oh, it's Casino. Great. Yeah. Mike was whew. All right, you know what? <laughs> That's the thing I like this week. Fat Choi. <laughs> um, if you guys ever go to Vegas, all right, yeah, Morimoto's cool. Uh that steakhouse, they're cool too. Yeah, they're great places. Yeah, yeah. Fat Choi. All right. And the you key go is there, you get the Fat Choi burger, there's an egg in it. It's delicious. I mean, there's more to it than that. It's half ground beef, half short rib. You know, there's bacon in there. You know, it's goddamn delicious. And you know what? It's so good. You got to make sure you're not too messed up when you get there because this was the second time Mike ate there and had no memory of the first time we went there. So that was an impressive thing in itself. I had some memory because if you remember when I walked in, I'm like, this place looks familiar. (laughs) And the Uh, next thing I asked was, have we eaten here? Or was this on an episode of something from the Food Network? Yeah, fair enough. All right, uh, yeah. If you go to Vegas, plenty of good places to eat. Um, Marcus, why don't you take us home with what you like this week? Yeah, um, don't have a ton this week. It's just really in the video game realm. But uh, makes sense, though. We are at the end of a 
hellacious one-two punch, and I mean hellacious like in a really good way, not a negative way, of two awesome AAA games that just came out. Um, one we're just on the heels of, Resident Evil 2, which is going to be mainly the thing I like this week that I'm going to talk about a little bit. Um, but also, uh, as you guys are listening to this, as it comes out, uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 is coming out, and this is, I mean, if you don't know Kingdom Hearts, it's basically Square's original RPG that was supposed to really match up, mash up Disney characters and worlds with uh, Final Fantasy. Um, as the series has progressed, it's mostly just Square's original RPG tropes and uh, Disney characters, and Final Fantasy stuff has kind of gone to the wayside. Um, but it's it's a extremely long-running series with a very ravenous fan base that has been waiting 13 years for a number numbered sequel. Um, there's been lots of off- offshoots, and the story itself at this point has gotten very convoluted and difficult to follow. Um, and at the same time, it's always been a very simplistic story of basically the hero's journey, you know, white versus or light versus dark, um, and basically all that good stuff. But yeah, really looking forward to, to trying out Kingdom Hearts three, and that might be in a couple weeks because I'm currently working through and enjoying a lot of Resident Evil two. Uh, I'm kind of ashamed to say I kind of thought I would be able to beat or run through at least one of the campaigns. I'm going through Claire A first. I'm going to do Leon B next. Um, it doesn't. The game isn't too long from what I heard. You know, average play time is around like six to seven hours. I think I'm about like a third or maybe close to halfway done with the first campaign. And I'm in a really contentious area that has kind of made me double think, you know, how much I've been enjoying the game. Um, and basically, you know, I'm just going to lay it out. I don't know if you guys had any plans to play Resident Evil, but a f- overall, fantastic game. I love the game. Um, I'm at the point right now where they throw in the Tyrant, which is basically kind of a Terminator-like character that follows you through basically the uh, the police station, which is kind of one of your big main hubs in the game. And my criticism of it is that I've really, I was thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying my time through the game up until that point. It has just... It's a fantastic reimagining of Resident Evil 2. And even though they've completely changed the gameplay aspects, you know, just changing the camera to a third person over the shoulder instead of fixed camera, that also makes you have to change the controls. Um, They still keep that tension that was in the original game, even though now it's much easier to aim and move around. You can aim and move backwards. But what makes it kind of really thrilling is that they have done such a fantastic job of reimagining or recreating um, slow zombies, right? I think a lot of video games now, especially when they do zombies, they're faster zombies that kind of jog at you and you're just kind of mowing them down with machine guns. And this is kind of the classical Night of the Living Dead type of zombie where they're very slow, but the game is gorgeous. The facial animations are superb to the point where when you kind of walk up to a zombie, it's such a threat and it's so kind of awe-inspiring in a really weird way just to see this face kind of contort with its dead eyes and see its mouth draw. The animation is just impeccable it is so good it really draws you into the game um so i was enjoying the game quite a lot um you know it, it has all the resident evil tropes were or survival horror game tropes where you have limited ammo um a lot of times it's not in your best interest to kill all the enemies it's smarter to sneak by them or run around them um but essentially i got to the point where they introduced the tyrant and while i think he makes the game kind of frustrating and difficult in some senses um it's just because he creates so much more tension and stress in the game. And a lot of this is done through audio cues because essentially this fucker just chases you the whole entire fucking time. You were just, whereas before, you know, my pacing through the game was very methodical and slow. I'm walking very slowly. I'm checking all the corners. I'm hearing for zombies. You know, I'm trying not to run into any scenarios that could potentially get me in trouble. 
And when they bring the tyrant in, all you can fucking do is run from this dude. And at this point in the game, if you hadn't boarded up certain windows on the first floor, more zombies and more enemies have kind of repopulated this area, which is a very Resident Evil trope. It, they basically do it in all their classic games where they basically you clear out an area, you come back and there's more dangerous enemies as your arsenal has gone upgraded. But having this fucking tyrant chase after you just brings so much tension because you're constantly on the run and I'm re-going into places that I've been before that I cleared out, and now it's like, fuck, there's a liquor here. Shit, I have to deal with this guy, or I have to run past him because the tyrant is literally behind you the whole time. And there's a few places where you can kind of hold up to catch a breath. These are the few safe rooms they have in the game. And while it is, it's such a relief to get to that room and just be like, okay, I actually don't have to worry about being attacked and being on the run. I Question. can kind of, yeah. You are okay. I was watching Max's playthrough on Hardcore. Mr. X followed him into a save room. There, there is so the the main hall, which is originally is a save room. When the tyrant comes, it's no longer a save room. Which is okay. I'm gonna give up. I'm gonna give up this too because it's such a great little moment in the game where basically one of the characters that was from the original Resident Evil Two game that's in this one and plays a, a key part in the beginning is Marvin, which is just a police officer that you run into in the first game. They flesh out his character more here. Where you first meet him, he's injured. He keeps telling you like he's not going to be. You, you can't. You're not going to be able to save me. You know, I'm kind of done for. Go on without me. And he gets in worse and worse shape. And when you finally go, and for me, I was running in the fucking main hall because this dude is fucking chasing me. And I really thought like, okay, here's an NPC. How is this NPC going to react to this terror running through here? At that point, Marvin had died, and he turns into a zombie. So I'm just like, holy shit! Not only is this place not safe. You're an enemy, and this dude's still fucking chasing me. Um, and honestly, like it, it makes it so stressful that a lot of the criticism I've seen today, like on message boards, like a lot of people don't like this part of the game because it does break the pacing of the game from what it originally is to something that's much more frantic and kind of takes you out of it a little bit. But I honestly, even though it's been really frustrating, and at one point, and probably what was most frustrating, I played for about an hour and I didn't save, and then the tyrant killed me, so I basically lost an hour of progress and. For me, for the most part with games, if I do that, I'm done with that game. I'm not going to replay an hour again. That's just not, you know, there's so many other games I could play that I enjoy so much. Replaying an hour is not something I'm very interested in. It's usually a hard out for me with games. Um, this game has stuck with me. I've just, even when I'm not playing, I'm just thinking about it. I was like, okay, I know, I know what run I want to do. I'm going to run out of this room, go up here, grab that, go back this, get this gun that has bullets because I'm really low on ammo right now. I have this, I've been thinking about this all day because, um, you know, the game's just really sunk its claws into me. And, you know, even though the tyrant's super frustrating, it is just such a cool element of the game. It's so, it's stressful, but it's so badass because when you're in the save room, you still hear the fucker walking around outside and he doesn't leave. Like, he'll go down the hall, he'll go up the stairs, but the dude's always around. So I'm just like, shit, like, I got to make a break for it. I hope he's not right in front of me when I walk out. Um... So I've really, I haven't even finished the first scenario. I still have another scenario to go through. When I beat both of those, I unlock the Force Survivor hunk, which is supposed to be really difficult. There's lots of reasons to go back and continue to play this game to get S ranks and unlock an unlimited ammo for things. But really, um, as someone that has just really loved Resident Evil 2, the original one, for so long and just thought it was easily one of the best Resident Evil games, and there's been talk about this remake for so long, from to finally announce it, to see it, and to actually play it, I'm just so happy that it's just, it fits the bill. It's exactly what I wanted. It's so fun. It's really cool. I've been enjoying myself immensely. So, yeah, 
Um, and then Kingdom Hearts. I mean, the reviews have been out. off the the reviews have been fucking off the charts. Yeah, there. it's on a ninety one in ninety one, and that's really tough in this day and age. Especially, you know, there's things about the game that people don't like. They cut things out of the game that people aren't happy with, and this tyrant thing seems to be dividing a lot of people too. But even though I agree with them to an degree, where I find it really kind of annoying and a cumbersome kind of additional thing I have to deal with, it is just such a cool mechanic. It is just. It sucks, but it's so awesome to hear that fucker's footsteps just behind you and in the save room. Just like, I can't get away from this guy. Um, so I really look forward to putting more, more time into it and, um, you know, playing the multiple scenarios. Um, cause it's just, it's top class. It's really good. All right, guys. Thank you all for joining us. Um, we'll be back next week where we're going to preview Bobby Knuckles against Kelvin Gastelum. We can say Bobby Knuckles freely, folks, because Bobby Knuckles is selling Bobby Knuckles t-shirts. So despite a nickname he didn't really like, he realized, well, I can make money. So He's embracing it. Let's embrace that shit. It's not going to call him the Reaper. Bobby Knuckles and, Kel and Kelvin Gastelum going to throw down. Bobby, um, how do you not have you, how have you not already ordered this shirt? Your name is Bobby. I Come looked it up. It was, it was He was selling it in Australia, man. It was It was not a good way of getting it to the U.S. without, you know, they're going to ship it over on a boat. You know, it'll take fucking forever or some shit. Um, it was something like 50 bucks after all that stuff. But yeah, uh, Bobby Knuckles, Kelvin Gastelum. Spoiler alert, I'm definitely picking Bobby Knuckles. Putting that out there. Yeah, I um, think that's a safe bet. I, I, I don't, I think the, Stefan, you still got betting lines up? Can we tell the people what we're at here? Let's see. We are, yeah, it's, um. I mean, Bobby's the favorite here. It's not massive, but it's a uh, minus two sixty five to plus two twenty five. Kelvin Gastelum and Anderson winning oh. against Adesanya requires some sort of act of God here, right? Uh, yeah, we got Israel at a minus six hundred favorite over Anderson Silva. We were talking about you know Jose Aldo lines. While I can believe this Anderson Silva line, how far we've come? How far we've come? I was gonna say this is the worst odds Ben Anderson Silva has faced. You know what? When he took on Daniel Cormier on one day notice, that was plus four hundred. This is this the worst odds of his career, then? Yeah, and man, this I'm just looking back on Anderson Silva. He was minus thirteen fifty about against Stefan Bonner. I mean, kind of like, agreeing with these odds. I really didn't need this fight for his career. As a fan of Anderson Silva, I didn't need to see this fight happen. You know what? If he wins this fight, I don't care how it happens. Just give him a title shot. Illegal, it, illegal Greg Hardy knee. I'm not even. I'm saying you see Andrew, if you if you see Ed Soros handing cash to the judges while the fight's happening, I'm still saying Anderson Silva gets a title shot with a win. That's what it's going to be for me. Um, all right, guys, back next week. Thank you all for listening. As I mentioned, we always really appreciate it. I was Doctor Law. Kid Presentable was here. DJ Mark was here, and I was mean to him, so I feel a little bad. So I'm sorry. Lavender Gooms was here too. <laughs> see ya. Later, hey, guys. Hey guys. Peace out. <laughs>